Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Excellent. Well, this year uh, we've themed our Christmas celebration, Finding Christmas. And the reason we've themed it Finding Christmas is because I'm sure you'd agree with me that the message of Christmas has been somewhat lost in today's generation. With things like political correctness, religious tolerance, and also retail consumerism, we've kind of lost the purpose and the meaning of the Christmas season. But whatever you believe and whatever Christmas means to you, Christmas has its origin in the birth of Jesus Christ. It's when the infinite became an infant. You see, what you need to understand is that Jesus was not born on Christmas Day. That's when He came to planet Earth. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus came in bodily form to planet Earth. But that was not the day He was born. As He Himself said, He said, Before Abraham was, I am. And that infuriated the religious people. They said, you're not even 30 years of age. How can you say, Before Abraham was, I am? It's because it's true. Before Abraham was a twinkle in his mother and father's eye, Jesus was. Before Adam and Eve were, Jesus was. Jesus was at the beginning of the formation of the world as we know it. Before giraffes, Jesus was. Before hippopotamuses, Jesus was. Before water, Jesus was. Before the earth, Jesus was. Before trees, Jesus was. Jesus played a part along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were before time as we know it. Jesus has always been. He just is. So Christmas is not the day Jesus was, was born. Let us not be confused in any way shape or another. But that's the day that He came to planet Earth. He is the God that came to Earth to save and redeem mankind, to bring hope, to bring joy and to bring peace. You see, Jesus truly is the gift that keeps on giving. And when you find Jesus, you'll find hope. And when you find Jesus, you'll find peace. And when you find Jesus, you will find joy. And these are the three themes that we want to speak on over the next three Sunday morning services in our lead up to our Christmas celebration in two weeks time in our Sunday PM service. And so this morning's title to my message is simply this, Finding Hope. Everyone say hope. hope. Finding Hope. Because Christmas is a message of hope. In Psalm 71 verse 14, it says, But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you, God, more and more. In Romans 15 verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope. Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
you see, with all that is happening in the world today, and I don't know if you saw this statistic as I did, but the um, recent shooting in the US of A, in San Bernardino, was the 352nd mass shooting in the States this year. That's more shootings than there have been days this year. That's an amazing thought. You couple that with all the war-torn strife that's happening in the Middle East and the fear of and threat of terrorism, coupled with your own personal struggles and turmoil that we go through as individuals, our hope is under attack. And if you lose your hope, you're going to lose your harvest. You see, when you lose your hope, we lose our horizon. Everyone say horizon. horizon. See, when you lose your hope, you lose the hope of a better future. You lose the horizon. You lose your vision. But I believe with all my heart that the best truly is yet to come. The Bible says that it was Jesus for the joy set before Him, that He endured the cost. We may have to endure some things, but we must never lose our joy for a preferred future, our joy for a better future. Hope will help us keep our joy even when we are enduring situations that we would rather not go through. It is hope that we need to hold on to and it's hope that we have in Christ. When we lose our hope, we lose our horizon. The Bible does not say that Jesus enjoyed the cross. Any person that enjoys pain is a masochist and there's something wrong with you. If you enjoy pain, there's something wrong. Now we're not to enjoy pain, but we are to endure it for a better future. The Bible says that you and I were bought with the price. Our bodies were bought with the price. In other words, our freedom came at a cost to someone and His name is Jesus. And if we are going to help people, there may be a cost to us. And that cost may be over Christmas as we invite people over, as we just buy somebody a gift or in order to bless them, there's going to be a cost associated to that. And we see that with Jesus. It was for the joy set before Him. He endured the shame. He endured the blame. He endured the pain because He had a hope of a better preferred future. When we lose our hope, we foster a survival spirit. We tend to survive instead of just thrive. I I believe with all my heart, we were meant to live life to the full. Jesus said it's the thief that comes to kill, steal and destroy. But He has come that we might have life with a capital L, life in abundance, life to the full. We were not here just to survive. We were not here just to take up space on planet Earth. We were here for much, much more. God intends us to survive in life, uh, sorry, thrive in life and not just survive. The trouble is when we lose our hope, we begin to lower our expectations. That's one of the things I've always noticed. When we lose hope, we lower our expectations. I've said this many times before, but as long as I can remember, I've always been told I expect too much. And then that really bothers me. Theologically, it bothers me. It bothers me theologically because the Bible says that we serve a God who can do immeasurably more. Not a little bit more, but more than I dream, more than I ask, more than I expect. 
And what I find is there's this forever pull on our lives just to settle down, to calm down, to believe for less. You expect too much. The demands are too great. But I don't see that in the Word of God. I see the man who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul, encouraging us to, to fight like good soldiers. He gets a hold of a young man by the name of Timothy. And, and this, is, this is Paul nearing the end of his life, having been through many, many hardships. He'd endured shipwrecks, he'd endured floggings, he'd endured, endured stonings, he'd endured a lot of stuff in his life. And if there was one man who could say, hey man, I'm done, I'm tired. Uh, you know what, if you want to learn anything from my life, I would just take it a little bit easy. But he doesn't. He actually said, come on, Timothy, I want you to join with me in the fight. I want you to join with me in the battle. Why could he talk like that? Was he just trying to put the pain onto a young man because he'd experienced pain? Or was it because he saw something better? Was it because he had a hope of a preferred future? What I love about Paul's life is that 2,000 years later, we are still reading from his writings. That's how influential he was because he never gave up his hope that he had in Christ. Even the religious authorities and the secular authorities, when he was talking to them as a prisoner, they would say to him, are you, are you saying that you want me to become like you? And he says, yes, with the exception of these chains, I want you to become like me and I want you to do what I do and I want you to endure hardship as I endure hardship. Why would possess a man like that to talk like that? Oh, because he had a hope. He didn't just settle down. I, I'm sure Paul would have been accused of expecting too much. Come on, Paul, just back off from this young man, Timothy. Give him a break. He's a young man. But he didn't. He just kept pushing on and pushing forward because he had hope of a preferred future. When we lose our hope, thirdly, we focus on self-priority. These are just the patterns I've seen. As a person who's been in ministry for a number of years now, these are the patterns I see when there's no hope, we lose our horizon. When there's no hope, we tend to just survive and not thrive. And when there's no hope, we tend to focus on self-priority. In other words, we position ourselves at the centre. And how serving Jesus suits me. And it becomes about our comfort and our importance. And these are all signs to us that our hope in Jesus is not what it used to be. The writer of Hebrews says, remember, remember the early days when you... you enjoyed the confiscation of your property and you, you wore it as a badge of honour. Remember those days? What's happened? Why have you got all so self-centred? Why is it all about you now and your, your comfort? The writer of Hebrews is highlighting the change of heart. Christmas is a message of hope and it's because of this hope. We don't have to give up. Martin Luther said this, we must accept finite disappointments but never lose infinite hope. In other words, we live in a world where stuff happens. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I don't know why certain things happen. I don't know. It just stuff happens sometimes. You know, sometimes when you get a flat tyre, it's just because you ran over a nail. That's it. There's no demon assigned to you. It's just you ran over a nail. And about the only thing that could have prevented that is you not running over a nail. That is it. There's nothing more in it. It's just a nail in your tyre and your tyre went down and now you've got to go and get it fixed and it's going to cost you a little bit of money and time. But that's it. 
just happens. These disappointments. But we must never lose infinite hope. We've got some people in this room today that are fighting some real disappointments. Losing loved ones is a tough one. Had the privilege, like Kath, to be on the door and just welcome an incredible couple into our church this morning. They've just lost someone that's very close. Their own flesh and blood. What do you, what do you say? Put my arms around them and said, I have no words, but I have lots of love. Receive our love today. I might not have the words, but I'm not going to lose hope. And I don't want them to lose hope. And I don't want you to lose hope. We serve a God who wants to give us hope. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through this morning, we serve a God who is full of hope. We must accept finite disappointments, but never lose Infinite hope. I never forget Brian Houston, and he's told the story many times now. And it's actually in his book that he's just written, Live, Love, Live, Love, Lead. And he talked about the day when it all came out about his father and uh, the horrible consequences surrounding all of that. And I won't go into that for the sake of time. But he tells how he had to go to his kids he remembers going to his youngest, Benjamin, and saying, Ben, how, how are you processing all of this? And, and Pastor Brian says the, the joy that filled his heart when his son, his son said, Dad, it's disappointing. Dad, I, I don't get it. But you know what? I have my own personal relationship with Jesus. And this has not affected that one little bit. His hope was still intact. In the midst of these finite disappointments, his infinite hope was still there. We say the same this morning, church. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're dealing with, you see, it's this hope that's an anchor for our souls. It's our anchor that keeps us facing the storms. Some might say that the best safety device on a boat would be a life vest, but that's not actually true. The best device is actually an anchor. When you're in a storm, you, you want to have an anchor. Because in the storm, you throw the anchor out, and assuming that the anchor is attached to the boat, you've got to make sure that the anchor is attached to your heart. It lodges into the bottom of the ocean and it causes the boat to swing around so that the, the, the front of the boat, the, the bow of the boat faces the storm head on so that the storm doesn't hit the side of the boat and roll the boat over. But it gives this boat the best possible chance to survive the storm as it faces it head on. 
And that's a metaphor for you and I. When we have hope as an anchor to our soul, it will cause us to be able to face our storms head on so that we don't get sideswiped and taken out. When we are going through a tough time, when we're going through a time where we have no words, we have our hope as an anchor to our soul that we can face our trials, we can face our storms and we can face them head on. We don't have to hide away, but that we can face them full on. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says these three things remain, faith, hope and love. I ask myself, why these three things? I believe it has something to do with the fact that love is our foundation. It's our relationship with God. And faith is where God is taking us. So we have love as our foundation in our relationship. We have faith that is taking us on to a preferred future. But it's hope that links the two. Hope is our responsibility. Hope is what holds our relationship with God and the promises of God intact. And we have hope to be able to hold on to our love no matter what and our faith no matter what we are facing. The enemy wants to cut the umbilical cord that joins God's love for us and God's plan for us. And the way he does that is through our hope. He always attacks our hope. And so we must stir up hope. Stir up hope. We must believe in hope. We must choose hope even when we don't feel like having hope. It's like Abraham, who was well advanced in age and his wife was unable to produce children. And yet there was a promise that he would be the father of a multitude. And the Bible says this of Abraham, that he did not waver through unbelief concerning the promises of God, but he was fully convinced that God had the power to do that which he had promised. In spite of the realities, In spite of his age, in spite of his wife's barrenness, he believed God and had hope in light of and in spite of the circumstances surrounding the situation. Do you have hope in God this morning? So where can we find this hope that will be an anchor to our soul in times of trouble? And how can we apply that to our lives? Three things really quickly. And then we're done. It's really, really simple. This is going to help us hold on to hope in our time of need. Number one is simply to do with our past promises. If you want to know how to stir up your hope in times of trouble, we've got to remember the past promises. The basis of our hope is found in the way God has kept His promises in the past. You see, even going back, to the very first human beings, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden and when they sinned, there was a promise that came to them and it was the promise of a Redeemer. In Genesis 3 verse 15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and now you will strike his heel. This verse contains an amazing amount of information concerning God's plan to rescue the human race. Firstly, it has God's plan centred in a specific person. Secondly, that that person would be a man. Thirdly, that he would enter the human race by being born of a woman. That he would do battle with Satan. That Satan would crush a blow against him, but not defeat him. And that ultimately, he would crush 
Satan and his power. This promise was given at the very beginning of time. And right throughout the Old Testament, we see the fulfilment of that promise. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that He was born in Bethlehem as was promised, that He was born a Jew as was promised, that He will come from the tribe of Judah as was promised, that He was delivered, sorry, would be a descendant of David, which He was, that He will be born in Bethlehem, which He was, which He will be born of a virgin, which He was. Who would fit all those qualifications? Only one person. And His name is Jesus. Be encouraged, church. If what God said in the past has come to pass, then why should we doubt what He says about our future? It was prophesied long ago that there would be a babe born in Bethlehem and to the letter it happened. There's another promise coming that Jesus will return. And we need not doubt that He will come. And whether He comes to us or we go to Him, the Bible says that we have a place in heaven with God. And it's encouraging. We can trust Him for what He says about our future. Secondly, when it comes to our hope, we need to remember our present help. So there's the past promises, but also the present help. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. In other words, He sends help when? In times of trouble. That's when He sends the help. You say, I want help. Well, you've got to be in trouble for Him to send that help. And He loves to help. And so whenever we are in trouble, it gives Him an opportunity to do what He loves to do And that's the help. And so I want us to put a different spin on it so that hope rises this morning that when we are in trouble next time or maybe you're in trouble today, know this, that God is ever present. He sees your need and He loves to help. And this is His opportunity to meet you in your time of need. This is actually an exciting time for us when we have times of trouble because the Word of God says that's when He is present. He is ever present. He's not just the present God when things are going well. He's ever present, even in our time of need. We have a theology too often that says, God, where are you, Lord? We we, we jump to where are you, Lord, because we have a need. No, no, He's there. He's ever present. But He might be ever-present, but this is, what I, this is what I know about God. Not only is He present, but He's present to do something. We can have our family come home from school and work and wherever they've been, and we're all together present. That happens every night. We're, we're together present. But the presence of the company changes. There are different needs at different times. And so we're all there, but the needs are different. And so it's not enough just to be present. But God is ever present, but He's also present to be able to meet our needs and to do things that we need. And and so I would encourage you, the next time you are 
in trouble and you're seeking God's face and say, God, I need your presence. God's presence is there. But I would encourage you to still your soul, quieten your heart. That not only you would just have the ever presence of God, but that you would have the specific presence of God. That you'd be able to listen to what He's saying to you in that moment of your need. Because in your time of need, you might say, heal me, Lord, I need healing, heal me. And He's present hearing all of that. But He may not be wanting to heal you right now. He may be wanting to teach you something else. He may be wanting just to give you a peace. He may be wanting to teach you something about His character, His attributes, His nature, that we wouldn't be open to at any other time. And so it encourages us to quieten your heart and quieten your soul and become familiar with His presence so that you know what He's saying at any given time. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given to us. I've prayed many prayers. Say, God, get me out of this. You ever prayed that prayer? And it was like the heavens were brass. It's like God wasn't listening. And in the waiting, God highlighted some things about myself and showed me some things I didn't know about God. And in my initial prayer, it's like, God, get me out of here. If you don't, I'm going to die. And a year or two later, you're still around. And you learn something about God. I didn't die. God is faithful. And you start realising that character and perseverance and all those things are developed. And so you have a greater hope in God. Which may not have been the case if He just rescued you in that moment at that time. I thank God for the instantaneous things He does in our lives, but often the things that take some time is because He wants to do something in us. And He wants to do something through us. And I believe one of those things is produce the hope that is needed. God is working all things together for the good. Amen. God is working all things together for good. Number three is a band come up. Future glory. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. Hope means that better days are coming. Hope means that things won't always be the way they are right now. Is there hope in the world today? Yes. You see, hope invaded the world 2,000 years ago in the tiny town of Bethlehem. And if we want hope to invade our lives, we must do what the shepherds did so long ago. 
we must come down and bow before this King. And we must adore Him, not ignore Him. See, the message of Jesus has not changed. But sometimes we get so familiar, we forget to adore and we start to ignore. We wonder why our hope is lost. We serve a God who's able to bring hope into the most hopeless of situations. Christianity is not about having all the answers. It's about modelling a hope in hopeless situations. It's not about winning a theological argument. It's about having a hope and a joy and a peace that flies in the face of the circumstances. I I really do believe that our finest hours as a church are before us. Because everyone's turning on the television and watching the same horror stories as we are. But this is our opportunity. Maybe not to have all the answers to their questions, but to display a hope in a hopeless situation. And, And so maybe what it is that you're going through right now is actually a promotion from God, although it doesn't feel like that right now. A promotion from God to manifest and highlight something of an attribute of God in the worst of times. I thank God that I got to meet a man by the name of Phil Camden who was leading a church in Newcastle. And a few years ago, he was diagnosed with MND, motor neurons disease. It's not a pleasant disease to ever be diagnosed over you. And it is terminal. And so he handed over his church. And, but that wasn't the end of his life. And it's not the end of his ministry. And with hope as an anchor of his soul, and with that anchor firmly stuck into the bottom of the sea, and with the nose of his ship facing his storm head on, he's decided to use whatever time he has left to make it count for Jesus. And so he's going into the hospices and to the hospitals and to all those that have been diagnosed with the same thing that he has. Instead of hiding away, bringing a message of hope, a man that's been diagnosed with the very same condition they have and yet modelling a different attribute altogether. Where does that hope come from? It comes from the Lord. He's not going into these places winning theological arguments. He's just going in with something that others don't have. And when you have hope and you're in a place where people don't have hope, that is appealing. That is attractive. You might say, I don't know enough. I don't have enough theology. I don't know enough of the Bible. What you need is is your experience. You need your testimony. And I believe that is powerful. Your testimony in the hands of God is a powerful tool. And we're coming into a time 
where people are more open to God than ever before. And we have an opportunity to display a hope. I don't ever want to be flippant in anyone's pain. But at the same time, we can't be so engaging that we lose our hope. And so this is our time, church. This is our moment. This is our opportunity to model something that doesn't make sense. To have hope when seemingly there is no hope. That's appealing. That's attractive. And I pray that we as a church would not miss our opportunity to model something of the love of God in this time and this season leading up to the Christmas period 2015. What a privilege. Let's stand. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 